0: Hello, and welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Ag Direct. No matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 253. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Ag Direct. No matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com, learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. I have a repeat guest, Tyler M. Keefe uh, from CoBank is here with us. And Tyler is, Tyler Tanner is nice enough to come on and talk about what's going on. So you were on last month, we talked about some stuff about how you know we had some projections of what you were kind of thinking about was going to happen through the end of the year. And lo and behold, a uh, black swan of black swans gets chucked into the middle of this, um, which you know, there's there's war and conflict. Those kind of things bounce around all over the world all the time. But when you're talking about a country like Russia, that is uh, not only a large energy producing country, but also a large, the largest wheat producing country. And then you, the, the country Ukraine that they're that they're working uh, trying to take back over is uh, another large uh, wheat producer, growing in corn and soybean producer. The Black Sea region is a huge exporting sea uh, area and no one knows how long this is going to last and what this looks like. Um, it's just a, a huge event that's happening right now. So, Tanner, I guess as you take a look at what's going on here, uh, I guess how do, how do you even start to speculate on what you can see happening and in the, in the the backlashes that come from from something like this throughout the rest of the year?
1: Well, um I think you described it right, Casey. It is a black swan event. Um, now, some would argue they saw this coming from a long time, uh, a long ways back, mm-hmm. because of Russia's uh, annexation of Crimea.
0: Right.
1: Uh, that this was just that was just staging for uh, a bigger invasion later on down the road. And now here we are, uh, many years later. That was back in 2014. So, um, however you want however you want to put it, uh, black swan or you know predictable geopolitical event that. We just uh, got a complacent about uh, here we are with extreme market volatility across all agricultural commodities, across energy markets. Anything that's a commodity right now, well, anything that can be traded right now is in extreme volatility, whether you're talking stock markets, or uh, commodities, what have you. And so I think uh, there is nothing that's going to be uh, unaffected by uh, the events that are transpiring right now over in Ukraine. Uh, But I think specifically, as we look at uh, agricultural commodities, uh, obviously the grains are going to be experiencing extreme volatility because of uh, the the amount of grain volume that is exported out of the Black Sea region. Um, You mentioned wheat, Uh, you know, obviously uh, Russia and Ukraine combined are major wheat exporters combined. They're about 26 percent of the wheat trade, Uh, but I think there's uh, a lot of uncertainty here, especially. Uh, when you look at fertilizer, because uh, all of agriculture is impacted by fertilizer in Russia and Belarus and uh, Ukraine combined are major exporters of uh, all kinds of fertilizer, whether you're talking nitrogen or potash, you name it. um, If there are uh, uh, sanctions on those fertilizer exports or disruptions in that trade, uh, we're absolutely going to see. uncertainty there in the fertilizer markets going forward. Now add into the fact that uh, Russia is a gigantic exporter of natural gas. Uh, they're not bigger than the United States. We are bigger. We are the biggest producer of natural gas in the world, but uh, Russia is a major exporter, especially into Europe. And uh, natural gas is the feedstock for anhydrous. So how does this impact uh, farmers in the United States? Well, uh, here, we just found out uh, yesterday, uh, Germany has canceled their plans for uh, approving Nord Stream 2, which is that natural gas pipeline to Germany. Right. And then, um, you know, other natural gas flows uh, would be impacted as well. That doesn't mean uh, Europe's going to stop requiring energy uh, or stop requiring natural gas. How are their needs going to be met? Well, it's going to be met before. From the United States, shipping liquefied natural gas over to Europe, because we are uh, major producers as well. That is sub- that's going to subtract the amount of natural gas uh, in the United States that is uh, that can be used for fertilizer production and fertilizer, or excuse me, uh, natural gas is the feedstock for uh, anhydrous ammonia. Seventy uh, percent of the cost of anhydrous ammonia is in uh, natural gas, so. Uh, we are going to see, unfortunately, uh, extreme volatility uh, in natural uh, natural gas and fertilizer prices in the United States for this foreseeable future. We don't know how long this thing is going to last with with uh, Ukraine and Russia. Conceivably, let's say it ended tomorrow, that Ukraine just quits and says, "Okay, you can have the country. Uh, we quit. Russia's in charge. Peace." Ultimately, right now. That doesn't end the sanctions. Right. The conflict may uh, persist for who knows how long. Uh, with uh, uh, with uh, you know perhaps uh, side wars going, side battles going on for many many uh, months or perhaps even years. Uh, you you may have uh, renegade groups of Ukrainians that are going to keep fighting uh, the the Russians and. Uh, causing havoc in supply chains. Who knows how this thing is going to last? We don't, nobody knows. Um, if we want to look at history here, not that Iraq and uh, Afghanistan are great barometers of uh, what conflict may look like, but we were in, in those countries for 20 years. Right. And <laughs> it was still, we were, when peace was never achieved right. um, in that amount of time. Uh, and so who knows how things could go with Ukraine uh, if we're going to look at our involvement in Afghanistan.
0: Right.
1: So uh, we are looking at a highly uncertain situation here with supply chains and markets. And we just don't know what to think out of uh, out of this invasion other than we're going to have volatility. And we know that uh, we had uh, inflated energy and uh, fertilizer prices coming into this situation and now it's going to get worse and so all we can say at this point is that if we're going to be shipping a lot of natural gas uh, over to uh, europe that's going to be decreasing the availability of net gas in the united states for fertilizer production that's going to be elevating uh, fertilizer costs through uh, 2022 and that's going to be impacting uh, acreage uh, this spring ultimately Uh, we can talk about that here in a moment Uh, but one one final point here casey on natural gas is that uh, I mentioned earlier, we're the biggest uh, producer of natural gas in the world. That doesn't mean we're going to be increasing production. Uh, You got to look at what's going on with uh, the producers uh, out there that are uh, drilling for oil uh, and natural gas, and they have uh, uh, plans to, or they have responsibilities to their shareholders uh, to pay down debt, to pay off shareholders, and, uh, you know, it, it had been years of lower Uh, energy prices for quite some time that they've been struggling with. So they've got to get caught up, and they're not necessarily going to be ramping up production uh, with oil at uh, $100 a a barrel or natural gas prices at, you know, $5 a a million million BTU. Uh, They're going to be uh, imposing austerity here, really. I think their shareholders are imposing austerity on these energy companies in the United States. to reward the shareholders and pay down debt and short their balance sheets. So we won't necessarily see supplies uh, respond accordingly to prices. And that's going to uh, keep energy prices and natural gas prices elevated um, for the foreseeable future. And that therefore uh, Casey is going to keep fertilizer prices elevated. So an uncertain situation here with uh, austerity in uh, uh, energy production in the United States colliding with uh the uncertainty we're experiencing now in uh, commodity markets with uh grain and fertilizer and energy over in uh, ukraine and russia so uh, this is not what the american farmer needed at this time Uh, this is the last thing we needed Uh, however farmers are going to be benefiting uh, from higher commodity prices it's just on the production side of things that's the problem Uh, how high will fertilizer prices go although farmers may be capturing more revenue uh, from higher uh, agricultural commodity prices, whether you're talking about grain or livestock or dairy, uh, you name it, uh, that is the positive. The negative here is the higher inputs, and it is higher across the board. It's not just energy uh, or fertilizer. It's labor. Uh, It is machinery prices, which you've been talking about uh, every every podcast that you do. Uh, And then you've got uh, land prices, cash rent prices. Uh, you've got um, supply chain issues that are ongoing. Uh, transportation costs remain record high. Uh, add all of this in and that quickly erodes whatever margin a farmer thought he might have. Mm-hmm. Now, there are very few uh, farmers out there that uh, bought their fertilizer last year. I've talked to a few farmers out there that have been very smart on this. <laughs> and, they, and they are laughing. They're to the bank right now. But that's I would say that uh, those folks are few and far between. Uh, most farmers right now are um, trying to figure out what they're going to do this spring uh, with uh, the the, uh, the high input costs, especially with fertilizer and fuel that they're uh, going to be looking at uh, and uh, trying to pencil out how they're going to move their acres around uh, to the most profitable uh, allocation they can. So anyway, a high, highly uncertain um, situation this spring. Obviously, this is going to keep feed prices elevated uh, for dairy producers, uh, for uh, livestock and poultry producers, and uh, that it will also erode margin. And that is going to delay whatever expansion we may see in those sectors. Now, we've been calling for milk to be in that 20-class three milk to be in that 23 to 25 dollar range uh, for an extended period of time. Um, you know, live live cattle prices remain elevated and will probably continue to remain elevated as long as we see drought conditions out the West uh, and uh, perhaps a recovery in hog prices. Uh, but the the issue here really is what is the cost to respond to those high prices and expand your operation? And uh, it's the, uh, the input costs um, that are going to be, uh, yes, commodity prices are elevated uh, for farmers uh, and ranchers and dairy producers. Uh, but it's the it 's the cost of production now that is becoming increasingly uncertain unfortunately mm-hmm. that is going to be uh, eroding those margins.
0: right okay, so fertilizer prices going up, obviously, you know we just saw their predictive acreage reports be coming out next month here, I think so we start looking at corn and soybean mix and and what that looks like and ending stocks and all those things that play into that. Um, there could be a lot more soybean acres get picked up than than they had predicted based upon this and and you know corn price their corn acres go down um, and get or some other crop will, will take their place and those kind of things so I guess as you look at that what's your thoughts there
1: yeah USDA uh, did come out with their ag uh, outlook numbers um, yesterday that was quite overshadowed by what was going on uh, in the headlines with what's going on in Ukraine and Russia but Uh, They confirmed what everybody else is anticipating, Uh, a big increase uh, or somewhat of an increase in soybean acres uh, with corn acres down. Uh, Wheat acres are uh, up uh, when you've got, uh, you know, wheat prices the highest in several years now because of the uh, conflict in uh, Ukraine that that may increase wheat acres some. Remember the, the winter weed crops already planted. Uh, the problem there is the drought on the plants. So it really comes down to what happens this this spring uh, up in the Dakotas, in that area. Uh, and then perhaps later this fall, uh, that's a long ways to go. But uh, they're looking for cotton acres to also increase. Um, and then rice acres coming up very slightly. Uh, but really, the, you know, the, the story here is uh, really going to be on soybeans. Uh, we've got Beans well into the teens, and um, you know it's got a lower fertilizer bill than what uh, corn or wheat or rice has. So uh, USDA is pointing in that direction. What everybody was thinking anyway, but now uh, given the fertilizer situation uh, as it is, that may be getting even worse. They may per that may push yet yet again even more acres uh, into soybeans uh, than what. USDA is rejecting and that would pull more acres out of the grains and rice and um, that would perhaps uh, tighten uh, the feed situation even more again uh, for this fall. Now for harvest for grain availability and feed availability this fall. Now uh, that would be a bad situation for uh, the dairy and livestock and poultry feeders out there. So. And if you're an ethanol producer as well, but uh, really here, uh, it, the big question is how many acres are going to be pushed over as soybeans and how much will be lost out of the grains. Then on the specialty crop side for anybody out there, uh, you know, in California and the Sun Belt, uh, it's, you know, again, the story comes down to fertilizer, but if you're looking at permanent plantings, you're not going to be shifting, you're not going to be pulling trees because of fertilizer costs, uh, you know, trees are a long-term investment. So it's not exactly like we're going to see a shift in acres out of almonds or walnuts or tree nuts or what have you, or citrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is mostly looking at what's happening in the row crops. And um, if, you're a, if you have a crop that's very nitrogen intensive, uh, you're going to be re-looking at your cost of production and um, you know, where where can you allocate acres to something that may have a lower fertilizer bill. And soybeans clearly is going to be one of those uh, opportunities,
0: perhaps. Right. Yeah, there's a the, it's kind of the the $64,000 question out there right now is what that mix is going to look like based upon uh, rotation and fertilizer and everything else that's there. So there's going to be a lot of looking at the spring going in that this could have as much volatility in the marketplace add more volatility to the marketplace and so it's already there just based on you know right now i think when i looked it was like 88 million acres is what they had for soybeans and 92 million for corn if i remember right that's right um, yeah if that gets flipped around and it's you know 88 corn and 92 soybeans <laughs> you know what i mean that's a whole other that's a whole other thing even if it's just 50 50 you know i mean you're you you bring that down and and you're you know you know you're 90 million each that's a that's a huge a huge swing in uh absolutely and just ending stocks and what does that look like and, and when we're right now especially with what's happening in south america and you throw that on top of that you know it was supposed to be the, the crop that was supposed to save everything and get world supply back together and it felt felt pretty short of that so a lot of volatility on that side of it so i mean i guess as you look out from uh just a just the whole economics of everything that's out there with the inflation interest rates are going to be coming up you start throwing all this stuff together What's your kind of, from you know, shooting from the hip, I guess, what's your what's your thought process right now going through the end of the year in, in the overall ag economy? I mean, I think prices are going to stay high, but there's like you said, there's a ton of inputs coming in that really aren't accounted for. In that.
1: Well, the margin environments can be compressed because And in. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh,
1: I don't know how many farmers out there have already marketed their uh, products or yeah. whatever it is they're growing, uh, grains, livestock, oil, seeds, dairy. Uh, but uh, the the inflationary environment uh, is not going away. Um, so we got to talk about the Fed. Right. Uh, can the Fed control inflation? Um, you know, that's part of their mandate uh, is to have to have stable prices and what they mean by that is about 2 percent annual inflation. Right now we're at seven and a half. So uh, can the Fed get uh, the costs? get these costs under control. And there's a huge question mark on this because this time around inflation is so much different. That's not necessarily demand-driven, because the Fed has no influence over Russia invading Ukraine. Mm -hmm. They have no influence over Nord Stream 2. The Fed has no influence over China perhaps invading Taiwan. I mean, these are things that may be inflated in that causing more inflation down the road that the Fed doesn't have any influence on uh, the trucker shortage uh, that we're experiencing yeah. right now, elevated transportation costs. So coming into the pandemic, we were short about 70,000 long haul truck drivers. That number is not about now about 80,000. And so that's lifting your transportation costs in addition to uh, fuel surcharges. So the question is, can the Fed really... Uh, Dallas inflation with high rates this time. Uh, if you go back to the 1980s, uh, Jimmy Carter in you know, the late 1970s put Paul, Ver- Paul Volcker in charge of the Fed uh, to end inflation, and he did <laughs> with, infl- with in- interest rates at 20%. And uh, that caused a, uh, it caused a recession and caused a collapse in asset values. Uh, for those folks that were around back then, uh, they they remember that farmland values dropped sixty percent from uh, peak to trough. Uh, are we going to see that this time around again? Well, the Fed is you uh, know between a rock and a hard place here because there's so much debt out there, and uh, it's going to be hard for the for the market to bear uh, signif- a significant increase in interest rates. At the same time, you've got all these other factors of. Uh, rising costs that the Fed doesn't necessarily have a lot of influence over. Uh, the Fed again you know, doesn't have influence over China uh, and whether they decide to shut down a port or a city or a factory because of COVID outbreak. Uh, these type of things that cause higher prices in the United States may persist well through 2022 irrespective of what the Federal Reserve does on interest rates. So we could have an environment here where the Fed, which is already uh, signaled that it's going to start raising rates in March, Some are speculating that they could raise rates by 50 basis points, which is unusual instead of of their traditional rate of 25 basis points. The last time they did 50 was back in the year 2000, 22 years ago. Uh, So they could start raising rates and they could raise them sharply because inflation is now the highest since uh, highest in 40 years, seven and a half percent. It's the highest since 1982, I think. So the Fed could overreact, perhaps and raise rates a lot faster than what the market is anticipating. Currently, the, the market is anticipating Fed to raise rates three to five times a year. Some economists are saying seven. Well, we, the Fed's going to have to thread a needle here. Uh, they could uh, continue to see inflation rising because of these factors that are out of their control and respond in a uh, in an exuberant fashion, perhaps. And the raise rates too fast and push the U.S. economy into a recession. Well, that would not be fun when you've got inflation uh, still high and people losing their jobs. <laughs>
2: right.
1: That it would be the worst of worst worlds—a recession with rising prices. And uh, that would mean not 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 would not be good for uh, production agriculture. You know, borrowing costs would go up uh, in addition to rising input costs and rising labor costs, perhaps. Uh, maybe labor costs might come down, but uh, it's a situation where, um, you know, that margin environment will probably remain very, very tight through the remainder of 2022, because costs really aren't going to respond automatically uh, for those costs that do respond to higher interest rates. A lot of these other uh, high uh, costs, uh, like energy and fertilizer and what have you, they may those costs may not come down until 2023. So it could be a while yet. And so for 2022, it's going to be an elevated uh, margin environment. The USDA is uh, forecasting uh, that uh, incomes will be down, uh, net farm income will be down in 2022. A lot of that is simply due to uh, government uh, transfer payments going away, uh, or at least not to being to the degree that we saw in prior years. with farmers and ranchers uh, receiving the CFAP payments, the coronavirus uh, payments, uh, PPP loans, things like that, or the MFP payments from Trump, a lot of those payments are going to be going away. And so that is going to be the big reason why we see uh, lower net farm income in 2022. But now you've got uh, perhaps a situation here where inflation may be even worse for uh, farmers and ranchers because of fertilizer prices and energy prices, and so that may the may that may drive incomes down even more. Uh, but again, you know, it depends upon you know those farmers and ranchers who who have not uh, marketed their products yet. If they haven't done so, they're looking at sharply higher prices that they're going to benefit from. So there's. A lot going on here um it'll be interesting to see how usda responds to this uh they're gonna have to recalculate uh, the cost side of the balance sheet uh, for agriculture and you know take another look at you know what uh, the position of farmers ranchers is going to be in with uh, commodity prices so high as well
0: yep. Yep. a lot to figure in there a lot of stuff to look at here uh tanner there's so much going on right now that we could probably do a 10-hour podcast and not cover everything so clinton yeah <laughs> plenty of crazy stuff happening here man so well tanner if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at CoBank and, and what's going on over there what's the best way to do that
1: let's go to our website uh, cobank.com they can uh, find our research uh, on the website our research division is called knowledge exchange and uh, you can contact us there uh, anyone on our team uh, that uh, focuses on uh, all these issues that's going on we we've Got a lot of people watching this, so uh, we got a whole team you can reach out to. Right on.
0: Good stuff. Well, Tanner, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Good to see you. Good seeing you too, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com for all the information about the upcoming Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. That'll be in Nashville, uh, downtown Hilton Hotel there. Uh, for more information, uh, go there. You can send me an email at movingiron.summit at movingironllc.com, and I can get you all the information you need there, or you can just check it on the website and go ahead and sign up there. So, if you're interested in doing that, highly recommend you coming and checking that out. So with that, I am Casey Hi. Seymour with Tanner Emkey. That's going to be smart, folks.
2: Find us here. Moving on.